This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. today is Deborah Hawkins. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking first. So I am drinking some more of the Sweet 45 Cherry Cordial that was sent by our sponsor, which is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Guys, log on to there, put DWA10, you get a 10% discount, and it's kind of amazing, and I would try all of their things. They have new stuff coming out all the time. CR, what are you drinking? I am still on my vodka green tea kit. I'm telling you, we should just bottle that crap and market it. It's amazing. I really should. I've been slowly trying to perfect it. Like, Corey got some actual green tea. So, like, I tried it with, like, actual green tea. Not the same. <laughs> Not the same. Like, the where you have to steep it and everything, it is uh, it's a little different. I believe that. I believe that completely. Okay, Deborah, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a rye Manhattan. So I like um, either Templeton or High West, which is small batch rye, and a little bit of sweet vermouth and brandied cherry. Wow. That that's is fancy. That's, that's fancy. You're way more fancy. <laughs> I'm drinking out of a drinking without their solo cup. And I'm just excited that I'm in my Airbnb that has crushed ice. It's these little goals in life one has to have. Okay, so Deborah, what are, tell us about what you write for those listening that may not have heard of you before. Sure, um, I've been blogging on gratitude and mindfulness since 2010. And basically I started a practice of writing short, maybe 800, 900 word reflections on things that lived in my mood. And I started this to um, create a more positive outlook to life. I was at a very dark period in my life when I did this. And I found that um, focusing on gratitude really lifted my spirits. I was also a writer who wasn't writing. And just having this small little goal of writing these little reflections down also tended to lift my spirits. So I did this for a while and then I started reading them and I realized I wrote about some of the same themes, like a handful of themes. And now I was equipped to look at the world and I knew what to look for, what would make me feel better, what would lift my spirits. So I call this now intentional gratitude and definitely I will be surprised something will just come over me that I think this needs to be reflected on. But sometimes I will just look at a situation and um, think about what my themes are and start noticing things in the actual situation that brings up my spirits. So it's been like a spiritual practice and a writing practice too. Very cool. That's awesome. So when did you first publish the book? I published at the end of 2019. And um, shortly after I had like thoughts about like making some appearances 
and <laughs> then came COVID <laughs> and things changed. So um, I was delayed a little bit. Um, I did um, start up recently with some book blogger tours. I know uh, Stephanie is helping me with the current one I'm doing and I've done some other things. I also teach a class called Helium for Your Heart, a late oh. outlook with intentional gratitude. I do this as a Zoom enabled course to a two session class to teach people a different way to kind of control their own mood and feel, feel brighter. That's awesome. That's very, very cool. So you started write, uh, writing a long time ago. Have you been writing most of your life or was that just a few years ago? Where did, where did writing start for you? Um, I've been writing like since I was or making up stories, let's say, since I was a child. My, um, one of the first stories I actually made up was about, um, it was a creation story. It was like an assignment in second or third grade. And um, we had to write about why something came to be the way it was. So uh -huh. I wrote a story about what, how the toucan got his colorful beak. So basically he was bragging and all the other animals in the jungle threw fruit at him, tropical fruit at him. And that left marks so he had colorful nose, you know, a beak. So I love making things up and I've done that all my life. And it's kind of funny that um, I always aspired to be a writer, but I thought I would write from my imagination, like make up stories. And then when I was in this place and realized the power of just journaling and really contemplating something, what I'm actually putting out in the world is nonfiction. It's like creative nonfiction. It's my, my observations or take on the world and my experience of it. Very cool. What do you, so you put this book out in 2019. What about now? Have you been writing since then? I write every, uh, I post blog every week. So um, I like post generally on Mondays. Since 2010, I probably posted over 500. <laughs> oh my goodness. So they cover like all range of topics like you wouldn't might not think of them as um, really sparking gratitude. But um, I thought about these things. I wrote a, a blog about the difference between lemons and limes. Or I know before we started recording, you talked about being in an Airbnb that had crushed ice. I actually wrote a blog about um, the sound my ice maker makes in the freezer. <laughs> that I was really grateful for that, that I would have ice automatic at my command. Like I thought that was fantastic. So um, I've been writing these little essays. I wrote one a week and now uh, I have a writing practice, a journaling practice for myself. I call it writing with God. So basically I do journaling, but it's not just to clear my head. I sort of write as I'm having a conversation with that part of myself that's like not my ego. 
and that's been wonderful. So I, I usually end up taking the minutes in a meeting because it's my natural tendency to try to put things in words. No, it totally makes sense. So you, you thought though that you were gonna go into fiction. Did you ever start down a path with fiction? Um, actually, I don't think I um, what, uh, went on a path with um, serious intent to write a novel. I did write another sort of creative nonfiction book years ago. I was a substitute teacher in the Chicago public school system. I wrote um, this book called Reflections in the Blackboard. It was about how hard it is to be a substitute teacher. And I wrote like my experience of doing this. And I was very close to getting um, an agent back then, but um, it didn't happen and I kind of put it away for a while. When you wrote this book, did you do it your did you self-publish or did you I did. okay? Because um I would certainly like um the backing of a bigger house, but um I decided I didn't want to wait. It like I've been writing these things, <laughs> these blogs for like 10 years. And I really felt that I was being called to make a little bit of an investment in myself wanted to get up my writing and also my philosophy, which um, I have a very different approach to gratitude than many people do that like in the day writing 15 things that they were happy about. In my view, that's a positive thing to do that gives you a little bit of a positive orientation, but you're not in control of that. You're not in control of whether you get a good parking place or whether the boy you like calls you back. <laughs> and I thought gratitude is much more powerful if it's internally directed. If you actually know what makes you feel grateful and know how to practice seeing those things in the world that you are actually living. So my focus is a little bit different. But I really find um, writing these little pieces a great exercise in mindfulness, a great exercise in writing, because I'm really letting people into my world. And that, that takes a certain level of skill. I want to be relatable. And I think for the most part, I am. And um, I also want to inspire people maybe to do their own writing practice and have their own writing or own gratitude practice. So when you started all this, do you, did you, do you have a writer community around you? Um, I have at different times, but I haven't for most of the time that I've been do doing this blog. Years ago, I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, um, and there was, um, Miriam Hall, who is a very popular writer of and a Buddhist teacher of like writing with journaling and writing with prompts and different things. And I've recently joined another community called Soul Circle of the East out of New Jersey that 
also has um, writing drop in and write together. So I think those types of things are wonderful, but um, that wasn't really part of this particular book. I wanted to do that a little more. Okay, very, well, I got a question on that. So you had a writing community. When you went to publish this, how did you go about that, that then? I just went to, I did a little research online to look at self-publishers. And they also talked to friends of mine that were like um, therapists or consultants and also published a book of their own, either with a small house or self-published. And they asked for recommendations. I think the, the writing or the publishing industry has changed so much in 20 or 30 years because there are so many ways to get things published, but not necessarily to get a lot of marketing support or backup because um, the authors are expected to a large degree to already have a following because you know so much can be available online. So um, it was a little bit, um, it's been a little bit of a challenge putting some of that together. But um, I think there's so many wonderful resources online, but um, I didn't grow up thinking about that. I sort of grew up with an older model of how to get a book out. And I'm kind of like feeling my way out. Well, no, that makes sense. But did, so did you use um, an editor or anything like that when you went to go about doing this? The particular, um, house I use that does self-publishing is called Gatekeeper Press. They're out of Ohio. And one or two people I know that are therapists um, published some books with them and they talked about them that they had um, a mechanism to supply an editor. And I do know some editors because um, in Chicago, I was plugged into a community of women journalists, but um, not necessarily book writers. Okay. So I had some other contacts to publishers, but not necessarily one I used a lot. So I did a little research. Um, this particular publisher had some editors, and then uh, I had some people also that would look over what I wrote. No, that's that's one way to do it. So what about cover art and things like that? How'd you go about that whole situation? Well, I've had a blog for a long time, but much, no, almost 10 years before I actually took my book to a publisher. Um, and I had artwork. I didn't have a logo, but I had artwork that was pretty much like fitting to me for the, the concept of the blog. And I, even though I didn't design the cover art, I was very clear that I wanted to stay with this type of image. And the publisher found um, another image along the same lines that they could use that wasn't royalty protected or whatever. And that's what happened. So um, I, I guess you could see it. So it's a bunch of rocks 
with a heart-shaped rock in the collection, in the group. And this was actually very similar to what I had as my um, key image in my, on my blog. And the thought was that um, there's so many wonderful things that um, we don't pay attention to in our daily lives. And it's all being grateful is so much about paying attention to these things. So to me, the idea that there's this heart-shaped rock, which has a lot of meaning to it, is mixed in with these other rocks and it could um, go unnoticed, but you have to like practice paying attention to see the beauty in a lot of things. And that's how this kind of came about. No, that makes sense, Jobs. So you said you did a blog and now you have, have your book. Was your writing process different from going from writing in your blog to creating your stories? Um, basically, the book is called The Best of No Small Thing. So it's basically that I took uh, 50 entries that were already written and they cleaned them up a little bit, but they were largely already written over these 10 years of time. So I didn't just write a new book based on the concept. I actually took blogs that were already published and made the collection out of them. Okay. Do you plan to do like a second series and go back through your blog posts and do another one? Definitely. Um, I would like to do one every three years. Um, I think that would be because I post every week, it would be a good chance to um, like find good ones. I mean, they're mostly, I'd like to think they're all good, but um, some are probably better than others to put in a collection. And um, that's pretty important. I've also, um, thought of one other book that I want to put together, which is about um, photography and learning about ourselves by contemplating the images we take, whether it's because we like the subject of an image or because we feel something about the person in it or because of the place we show. I think Photographs can be a great springboard for contemplation because I think that most stories are about transformation and getting to know yourself better. And that's something I want to promote, whether you're a natural writer or not. Even if you write, just to learn more about yourself and to see your thinking process in front of you. I think that's a very valuable tool for everybody. I, I have a sort of strange question. When you do this photography book, are you going to talk about selfies and that whole entire situation? And... Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe. That's, I generally don't like selfies um, because... I have a feeling that um, like when I go on vacation, I like asking somebody to take a picture of me because it's a chance to have 
um, a little interaction, a relationship with somebody where there's nothing vested, there's no pre-existing relationship. And I think it's a nice thing to do for each other. So I'm not like, um, not thinking about selfies. It's not like it's off limits, but that's not my focus. I'll give you one example. Um, one, um, a few years ago, I took, um, I got a new camera and it was near Halloween. And I took a picture that was like enchanted. There was like a pumpkin patch. There was a parking lot of a school taken over by pumpkins for sale and lights out. It was beautiful. But then I took a picture of this and then noticed that um, the man who ran the concession lived in a trailer that was on site. And on top, top of the trailer where he lived was um, a Santa Claus because this person apparently after Halloween was over, he sold Christmas trays from the same place. So I took this photograph and I didn't think see the Santa Claus. And I think it's really fascinated how fascinating rather how little gremlins or other things just show up in the photograph. So I, I think like things like that are very interesting to contemplate what's actually in a shot that you might be conscious or not conscious of. No, that's very cool. Okay. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And I do have a photography question. So we'll be right back with Drinking With Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Okay, we're back. So we we're talking about photographs right before the break. My question for you is, do you, um, what about orbs and stuff like that in photographs? Do you, you know, like ghosts? Oh, I don't, I haven't thought about that. I think um, it's just fascinating to make the unconscious conscious. I think Jung said that, <laughs> those exact words. So I think that's part of my interest in writing and part of my gratitude process to keep like asking myself questions. So mm -hmm. 
until I really uncover what is at the core of why I feel uplifted in, in, in a situation. And knowing that the essence of that quality, I can find those things in other situations. So I'm not sure I know how to answer this exactly when it comes to photography, but I think photography coupled with contemplation, whether you write or not, is just a wonderful way to get to know what you might not be conscious of thinking, but is important to you. That's very, uh, no, that makes sense. Um, oh my gosh, I just lost my thought. I gotta love this. Uh, okay, you go, Charles. I don't know why my brain just literally <laughs> stopped. It just stopped. I do know why my brain stopped. <laughs> I was about to see but, your hands on the reason. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, you did the, you have your blog, you did a book of your blog post, you're talking about doing um, a different version every three years or so, and you have an idea for a photography book. So out of all the different things you have mentioned, do you have more than one project up in the air right now, or more than one that you are looking forward to doing? Well, um, these are the, the, next collection will sort of happen on its own. In other words, I write every week. I make a blog every week. So even though I haven't picked out what I will use, <laughs> I have thoughts about how I might put it together. So that's pretty easy and that's ongoing. I've written um, a couple essays for the photography book, but I'd like to get back to that in earnest. And then I also, um, uh, want to uh, get my classes off the ground. I really would love, especially since people have been freaking out about COVID or about changes, um, really inspire people to think about what they actually have in their lives. And it's not like forcing yourself or willing yourself to feel good that doesn't work. <laughs> it's about really getting to understand yourself better. And so I really am very committed to trying to get more people introduced to this idea of intentional gratitude and how I do these classes. There's another project, writing project, I'm trying to get off the ground and that has to do with journaling. I want to um, kind of, most of my, um, all my blogs and what I've done is mostly aimed at mass market, but I would like to see journaling take root in corporations. I know that's kind of a big <laughs> hard sell sometimes, but, um, there's more opportunities there is getting a little bit softer because many people are quitting their job because they don't feel appreciated. People are looking for fulfillment. People kind of realize mindfulness is like a buzzword. And I really think that um, journaling can be something used for leadership development and 
in organizations to improve like teamwork. So that's something that I've written some prompts and I have a, an idea about how I would do this book. So I have a few projects that I'm noodling with. Are you still teaching? Uh, no, I haven't for years. So um, I was a substitute teacher many years ago and for probably 10 plus years, I did a market research back when uh, we didn't do everything by SurveyMonkey or whatever, you know, the, the computer programs. Um, I did like qualitative market research. I would talk to like client customers and really um, understand what they liked or didn't like about their supplier. So I did, did that for money. That was my paying gig for many years. But um, at the start of COVID, that was, <laughs> that disappeared. And um, I have no intention to try to get back into marketing, um, market research that way. I just hope to be able to um, really do more with my books and also classes. So I'm not really doing another job now. Um, that makes sense. Have you thought about relooking at the book you were originally going to publish and self-publishing it? I haven't thought about that till just recently. So um, it's pretty um, it's pretty interesting because I think teaching in the Chicago uh, in an urban school system is difficult, and I think because of COVID, there's also some extra attention to that kind of job. Like <laughs> people that didn't have to do this before had to like homeschool or whatever, that uh, we have more people are aware of some of the challenges of being in the classroom. But um, I haven't thought about it till recently. I think there's some interesting insights from this experience and things they wrote about. So it's worth re-examining. Um, it's kind of difficult because it's like 15 years after I wrote it. <laughs> I also when did you stop teaching? Uh, many years ago, like I only did this for about like a year because it was not really a good way to make money. Like as a substitute teacher back when I did this in the mid 2000s, it was like $75 a day. Oh, wow. That's, that's not good. So you were a substitute teacher. Were you ever a teacher? Like a full? Not a full-time teacher. I enjoy teaching or guiding people, but I didn't want to be um, a grammar school or high school teacher because I felt that um, I would be dealing with not necessarily people that were motivated. So one of the jobs I had years ago was I wrote instruction, instruction for like sales training or customer service training. So I feel pretty comfortable about designing a workshop 
and writing about those kind of experiences. But um, I don't have any children. So I felt feel more comfortable just talking with adults. And when they did substitute teach, I chose to teach high school because it, to me it was easier to deal with teens that had attitudes than open up somebody's juice cup. It was like just something that was so different from my background. No, that makes sense. What about, so do you think about fiction writing anymore at all? Um, it hasn't been a key thing. I might like to go back to um, writing a screenplay. Oh. Because I wrote a treatment years ago um, for somebody who tried to tell this, uh, sell this idea of um, called running. And it was a businessman from Wisconsin that moved to Canada, but he realized that because he was still uh, an American citizen or he was born here, he could run for president. So I wrote a treatment in several episodes of how to have a reality TV president. And little did we know, this was back in like 2007, little did we know, I know back then that we would end up with a reality TV president. Oh, that's true. Look at you and your predictions. Okay, so you put this book out. How have reviews been for you? The reviews have been very positive, um, but it has been challenging to um, boost sales, partially because I'm not really a natural at social media. I'm doing better at that. One of the things I did about a year ago that was a wonderful experience was I went on a virtual retreat with Jack Canfield the um, co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And oh. that was, um, he was very positive about the book and actually wrote a very nice review in uh, that appears on Amazon. So um, actually the interview with him is on my website. So I really um, think there's potential in this book and I just have to do a better job to get more people to be familiar with what I do. No, absolutely. Marketing is definitely a challenging part about being an author and getting your thing out there. So do you read all your reviews? Yes. I might not read them immediately when um, they're posted, but I will read them. And um, I'm doing having a book tour now. It's really fun to read, <laughs> read what people say. And I'm like so excited when somebody that does a review thinks about like how they want to take a picture. Like, oh, it's no small thing, mindful meditations. So they put the book near a candle or something to indicate being reflective. Or I'm really like, um, very taken by how much different book bloggers really love reading and love what they're doing and put out so much energy into helping authors get their stuff out. 
Absolutely. I think book bloggers and book, book reviewers and even, you know, you have beta readers, you have all these people that really support the writing community. And I, I think people don't always think about those unsung heroes behind the scenes that are doing all these things to help. Um, are you taking any classes on marketing for your books and stuff like that or reading about it or how are you finding out? I think out I one time, but I, I'm not uh, currently. Um, sometimes I'm very leery about some of that. Um, I think authors in general need help on this, but sometimes there's so much available and so many people that want to sell you things. And I'm very cautious or leery about that. Yeah, no, you should be. There are definitely some groups out there that help. I'll tell you, one of the things I think is great is for authors to find even a group of authors that write similar books to them. Um, you could, you know, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, because that way you really get a community going of authors, which is helpful because they can give you their tips and tricks mm -hmm. on how they did certain things or were successful and you guys can do takeovers of each other's pages or channels or whatever. So I think I always encourage authors to find writing groups and you kind of just know if it's the right writing group for you or everything. I ignore the spam emails that say they have 30,000 followers and for only $500 they'll spam your book to all of them because those are always garbage and bullshit but um you can find really great groups that give you ideas because some people find little tips and tricks that you don't even think of on how to do this better um that's a great idea what have you found i need to you know it's interesting that um being an author or being a writer is mostly a solitary enterprise like you just need your computer to like do things and um sometimes you have somebody a good friend that will read some things but it's really wonderful to connect with other people that have some similar challenges and learned like you said learned some things that they could share exactly Sorry, Chels, go. Go, team Chels. What have you found to be your biggest challenge since you have published this book? Well, um, marketing is an ongoing challenge for me because uh, I'm trying to get the word out of the book a little more. And um, I'm just now learning a little bit of the Instagram. So it's, it's not intuitive to me. So some of this is still challenging for me. And fortunately, I have like somebody that is helping me now. So I think that's a huge thing. Um, I also think that COVID has made some things a little bit harder because instead of having personal appearances, you do things virtually and in some ways it's easier because you're not limited by geography but in some ways it's harder because you're competing against 
more things that uh, are vying for somebody's attention. And um, it's it might be harder to establish a personal relationship. So like I've been kind of delayed in doing personal appearances about some things. And something else that I've been doing that I've had a lot of fun with is podcasts. And um, it's wonderful that you have like an interview format that's a little different. Um, but I have been enjoying being interviewed and just being in discussion with people about my experience and also what I'm trying to do. Because I sometimes share this. I have been on some podcasts that talk about gratitude in terms of mental health and in terms of my writing career where I was um, a writer who wasn't writing. And I did this to overcome depression. And I have a little bit of that background. And somehow just being on these podcasts or being with interviews, doing interviews is like healing for me. It's like a chance to get out what I haven't gotten out yet and talk about what I do and what I envision. And that's been really wonderful. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And I, I'm glad you think we're a little different. People always ask me if there's a script or something. And I'm like, no, we drink too much to be scripted on this show. It's a terrible plan. Even if we had a script, it would go to hell in a handbasket really quickly. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about writing during COVID then. Has, did that change at all for you? Um, not necessarily the writing, but I think it feels more important than ever to get what I've learned out into the world. Um, many people are distraught or confused or depressed because things are changing. They can't do what they used to do for entertainment or how they are distraction or how they maintained relationships. So um, I really wanna impress people that you could take more initiative yourself, like to control your mood. It's not based on whether you have a virus or whether you're sick or whatever, it's based on what you know about yourself and your own willingness to practice being positive. It doesn't come easy, but after you get the hang of it, it gets to be easier and easier. And I, um, it's not specifically about writing, but it's largely about feeling really that this message that these examples that, that I'm providing in my writing can be useful to people to recognize that even while things might not be wonderful, perfect, and I don't want people to deny or camouflage their feelings, but it's really um, empowering to know that you could have troubles and still find things to be grateful or happy about. 
And I think not the writing, but the message of what I want to say is really especially important now. I love that. And with that, I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give authors out there? To keep at it, to make it discipline. I know <laughs> it can be hard. I mean, you might just be writing for yourself. For many years, I thought um, I started thinking that, well, I will develop a following. And that didn't happen right away with my blog. So um, I carried on and I did this process a lot for myself. And um, that itself was valuable. And then when um, I realized that I did this for myself and it had value for myself, I would say that to any writer. Do it because you need to do it <laughs> and honor that, honor that impulse because you might like come back to it and brush things up and make it more suitable for an audience. But the important thing is to get some things out. I've talked to some people that were writers or writing memoir and I've helped a friend of mine who had cancer write a book of his life for his sons. And uh, I edited it and put some things together. And I realized that even if you just write for somebody in your family, um, it's wonderful to tell your story to someone else. So I encourage people just to write and not worry about like being the next great thing, you know, on the, um, the bestseller list. Just put it out there. That makes perfect sense. And where do people find your book? Um, basically any online retailer like Amazon, Barnes Noble. Um, there's a few others. I know in England, it's sold through Gardner. Basically anybody, a retailer that has online systems because the books are print on demand. So I don't have like 3000 in my other, my spare bedroom <laughs> in boxes. Um, That's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it is a good thing, definitely. <laughs> so um, they're all print on demand. So they're bought online. So um, this, this collection is, Available in paperback, but also ebook, Kindle, that sort of thing. And then I have a, a, a small book that's a workbook of my process that basically has the same picture, but it's all in like half tones. And this is about 100 pages. This is only available in paperback because you could actually write in it. And it's called Practice Gratitude, Transform Your Life, Making the Uplifting Experience Gratitude Intentional. Very and cool. And what is the name of your blog? 
The blog is called No Small Thing. Okay. Basically, if you go to nosmallthing.net, it used to be only the blog, but now it's a blog and some explanation of my um, courses and other things are on there. But there's a new post every week and it's really, it's fun for me to keep this up. I invite people to make comments on it. And yeah, I enjoy it. Very, very cool. Deborah, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you very much Absolutely, guys. This has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Eric Lance. My co-host today has been the amazing C.R. Rice. Our sponsor today has been Skunk Brothers Spirits. And don't forget your coupon code GWA10. And our amazing guest, Deborah Hawkins. And we will see you guys next time.